Welcome to another episode of No Thanks But Yes, chill conversations with splendid people, non-monetized and unaffiliated. This Freedom From Addiction podcast features the many faces, voices, and pathways of freedom from chaotic relationships with substances and behaviors. Yeah, it's hot down here. That's for sure. And it's, it's good to see you, though, brother. It's been a while since D.C., that's for sure. It's been a while. Thank you so yeah. much for joining me. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you for inviting me. It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, on No Thanks But Yes, uh, we introduce ourselves, you know, like we do. So who are you? My name is Jose Nicolas Flores. Um 43, I'm been fixing to be 43 years old next week on the 5th. I'm a formerly incarcerated person who um, spent almost 13 years incarcerated in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And um, eight of those 13 years I spent in solitary confinement uh, due to my uh, past prison gang membership. Um, and right now I'm currently employed uh with um, the Texas Target Open Response as their recovery support services lead. And so we know it as TTOR, which is like a public health initiative within the Texas Health and Human Services. And um, we uh, manage the state open response funding to address the opioid crisis here in Texas. I've been doing that now for about four years. So from being in the state system to now working for the state, right? and then I moonlight like a lot of folks do uh, as a substance use counselor. I provide like individual and group counseling, like in different treatment settings. And then um, and I'm also a certified reentry peer specialist. So I like to provide support to individuals who are transitioning back into the community, like, you know, before their release and then after incarceration. Oh, brilliant. Strong work. And we talked a little bit about that. Yeah. We met up in D.C., and I want to talk a little bit about that later. Okay, cool. As it relates to, um, you know, leveraging the power of our stories and getting in the weeds with our pathways and stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, far out. So, hey, let's talk about, um, so uh, are, do you consider yourself to be a person in recovery? Yeah, I do. Um, I do identify as a person in recovery who still uses substances actually in moderation. Um, I also identify as being a person in recovery from mental health conditions. I work like really hard out of like alleviating the systems of uh, my mental health conditions and done a lot of trauma therapy, um, you know, a lot of individual and like group therapy as well. So that's something that I identified as something that I definitely needed to work on after, especially after all that time incarcerated and especially in solitary confinement, because I used to practice complete abstinence. And um, and I was working a 12-step program, you know, um, attending peer support groups, but I still noticed that, um, you know, my my mood and then, you know, some of my, uh, like, cognitive skills and, like, critical thinking sometimes were off, you know, and so at the suggestion of uh, some people that I highly respected, like, in the addiction, addiction field, they, uh, you know, recommended that I talk to someone. And so that's been a journey that's been going on now for about six, seven years. And, um, you know, so one thing I've learned is to, uh, that it's okay, you know, to, uh, to talk to a professional and, 
you know, and that's gone, it's gone really great. It's been some intense work that I've done, but sometimes it's just as simple as like what we're doing today, just having a conversation, you know, and I think I've learned that that's really like beneficial to me. Chill, chill conversations are very beneficial to me too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think we think too much about like those type of interactions, right? Like, and they don't have to be like so intense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a person in recovery who, who also had complex needs too, uh, mm-hmm. traumas, co-occurring mental disorders and everything. And I needed, I needed more, I needed a variety of things and, and, you know, finally asked for those helps and uh, am currently thriving in recovery awesome. from, from um, severe mental and substance use disorders. So what does recovery mean to you? That, that R word, Ooh. what's that R word, man? I mean, it's meant, it's meant like so many things over the years, you know? Um, I feel like my recovery began while I was still incarcerated. And a lot of that was uh, kind of just working towards preparing myself to one day being able to be, you know, like free in society. But um, I think today what it means to me, like in 2003, January 30th, 2023, I think that it means to me that I'm, I no longer have to like enter jails, prisons and like other institutions unless I choose to voluntarily. Right. I think over the past 11 years since my release, I've been able to like go into a lot of various prisons over across the state of Texas that I spent time incarcerated at and like speaking at different graduations for some of the same programs I completed. I like facilitate storytelling circles. Like I'm working on implementing a, a, an intentional peer support model at two prisons in South Texas for uh, people that are participating like in in prison education, you know, and those individuals don't necessarily like identify as being in recovery from substance use or mental health, but they recognize the need for like peer support. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's what recovery looks like to me. You know, when I walk in and I'm able to walk out and I feel rejuvenated, that's what recovery sounds like to me. Nice. You know, sometimes when I share, share my recovery status, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll give a time period, but a time period for how long it's been since I've been hospitalized or incarcerated. So a part of my story is, is autonomy. No mm-hmm. one's telling me what to do right now. My boss mm-hmm. sometimes, but she's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my <team>. yeah, so, <laughs> so freedom and autonomy sound like part of your definition of recovery. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't know. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, you're, you were getting into uh, some of what you do right now. So tell me, um, tell me all the cool stuff that you're into right now. Um. Well, I mean, primarily I'm a father to three stepdaughters who are uh, 16, 14, and eight years old. So, you know, apart from all the work that I do, you know, with my employer and in the community, it's finding time to, you know, to be with them and be a, a strong role model, male role model to them and a, and a stepfather. But, um, you know, they recognize all the work that I'm doing. If you ask them what I do for a living, they'll probably tell you, oh, he helps people, you know, and that's cool. I mean, I, you know, I, I love to hear that from them, you know, because I used to cause harm to people. So to hear people even just say that that's what Jose does, like, that's fine. You know, you don't have to get into the details of like what agency organization or, you know, but, um, you know, as far as my work with the state, you know, uh, being uh, the recovery support services leader, uh, you know, I. 
I, uh, I'm there to support, you know, the, the staff, the peer staff and that are providing peer, uh, peer recovery support services, you know, across the state of Texas, you know, that uh, operate under the, the funding, you know, that we're able to provide to them from uh, SAMHSA and the state open response grants. So um, that's a, it's been quite a journey when I first came to the state and, um, August of 2019, I had just barely finished up uh, working in policy with uh, the Texas Criminal Justice Coalition as a youth justice policy analyst. And that was a whole different world for me. You know, here I was getting out of prison and just, you know, had my mindset on, you know, you know, getting into the uh, become an addictions professional. And, you know, and I had an amazing journey doing that and meeting all kinds of awesome people and going to some really great places. But, you know, I thought that's all I was ever going to do in life, which would have been just fine, you know, because <laughs> it was definitely uh, helping me in my recovery. Yeah. But, you know, I've I built up some really great connections with people like us. And, um, you know, and that kind of opened the door to, you know, for further opportunities. And that's how I ended up, you know, working at the Capitol during the 87th legislative session and like, you know, advocating, you know, and um, for youth and for adults that are incarcerated and just all the different like confinements of their uh, their conditions of confinement, working on parole and reentry reform, women's justice, like mm. all kinds of things. And, you know, and here I was thinking, you know, I'd spend some time doing that because I had like, like that had like lit a fire into me that had opened my, uh, had opened, uh, you know, my mind to like all these other different opportunities to like be able to have like a much bigger impact, you know, instead of just having an impact on the people that were on my caseload, the people I'm meeting in different treatment settings now here was able to maybe have a a much greater impact for folks all across the state. And then that, you know, led to now where I'm at today. But, you know, since the pandemic, I've been working from home since March of uh, 2020. Mm. And so, you know, that never has stopped me, though, from still being involved in the community. Right. Um, And so, you know, during eight to five, I'm here at home (laughs) um, unless I'm, you know, able to travel and do side visits and meet some of the folks that I work with, but yeah. you know, any opportunity that I have to be in the community, um, I'm there. Oh yeah. I sounds like we do similar work uh, mm-hmm. and it brings great purpose to my existence. And uh, I do take great delight in being at home and being a dad yes. and a granddad yes. and all that <laughs> stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's, and um, trying to, trying to raise all boats, you know, um, my recovery uh, had a fair amount of dumb luck and privilege to it. And, uh, but um, not everybody has the same chances and, and there's inequitable opportunities out there to recover. And mm-hmm. hopefully we can, we can work on that. We get to do some of that with the recovery policy collaborative. Yes. Um, how did you get involved with, with, with that? And that's, that's where we met is, is with the recovery policy collaborative through the O'Neill Institute at Georgetown law center. Yeah. And um, Shelly would probably have to, could probably answer this question better. Cause I just, I think I remember receiving either a phone call or an email from Shelly Wiseman. And, um, <laughs> and honestly, I have to think that, you know, that it had to do maybe a lot of with, you know, the policy work that I would doing that I was doing, but it just was an honor and a privilege, you know, to be able to get that call from her and that ask, you know, that if I wanted to be part of this, you know, this collaborative, and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it's been like, honestly, it's been like amazing to like meet some of the great champions of this recovery movement, right. From like across the country. 
you know, like being in D.C. was amazing. That was an amazing experience, right? Going to SAMHSA, being at the Capitol, like seeing all the people that are behind this work to like have such a, you know, much bigger, you know, uh, impact and creating like system change across the country. And so that was it's just been amazing. You know, I still think back to that trip and, you know, and the people that I was with. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, at one point, like, I mean, 2010, Donald, I was sitting in a cell by myself. You know, in solitary confinement, just having hopes that one day I would be able to get out of there and find my purpose. And then, you know, walking in D.C., that was just like that was just amazing to me. (laughs) And there we are at ONDCP, man, meeting people. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I remember um, the presentation that you did was like very impactful as well. Um, I'll never forget that. I'm glad that I was able to be there, too. That was a mind job, dude, sitting there talking about <laughs> what is addiction and and, yeah. and and policy advocacy, you know, with uh, Michael Botticelli in the room right. and Wes <laughs> Clark. And I was like, oh, man, who am I? And I'm like, you know what? And we talked about it. We talked about um, uh, imposter syndrome. And, and oh. Botticelli said, um, I, I am who I am and I know what I know. And there's mm-hmm. nobody else like me. You know, I'm like, oh. That's right. There's only one D McD, man. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. I dealt, I dealt with that, uh, especially um, when I got into policy and then, um, you know, and then when I started the work here, like in state government, you know, I dealt with a little imposter syndrome, but, you know, uh, I've been blessed that I have some like really great, um, like coworkers who also consider friends, you know, that would uh, notice when I was like doubting the work that I'm doing and if I belong and, you know, and they would just pretty much someone like Jose, you're qualified, you know, and and that made me feel good. And, and, you know, I think after four years of doing this work, I still have a lot to learn and I'm still learning every day. But, you know, I feel confident that I'm that I'm doing a good job. You know, I got a, I got to a, after four years, I was finally we were able to finally hold a conference for all of the the peer staff that are doing peer recovery support services across the state. And we met in a, here in Austin over the past couple of days. And so to have that much recovery and people doing this work in one room was amazing. And to hear the stories and to hear the people thanking me and telling me that I'm doing a great job. And I'm over <laughs> here telling like, no, I wouldn't be nothing without you, you know, and, you know, yeah. you could just feel so much love there. And I don't know, it's just, I'm just, I'm just like really blessed though. You know, even just to be able to share this space with you today and just talk about these things. Oh, I'm, I've, I'm deeply gratified. We get the, share the space together you are doing a great job and and you you're you're awesome um and and part of my presentation was was about leverage on our stories and and mm-hmm. telling stories that that pair well with good policy change and one of the quotes i brought up was from uh Hena hernandez about mm-hmm. um you know not uh, kind of, you know, prison saved my life that, yeah. that maybe that's not a very helpful. I mean, it's an authentic statement to make. It may be mm-hmm. an authentic feeling, but does proclaiming that help generate good policy? And, and I talked to you about it while we were in DC, cause you know, I, I knew your, your history and I, I, you know, I needed needed to touch base with you on that. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Donald, that was the narrative for me kind of coming out of incarceration. Right. And I think that had to do more with like, uh, 
like some of the faith-based uh, approaches that I had kind of interacted with and, you know, and then like just having some like positive experiences within the prison system. But it wasn't until I really started like connecting with, you know, with um, like the community of formerly incarcerated like people in Texas that I really started seeing the harm, you know, that systems were like causing, right? And then, you know, then going through my own challenges with my mental health and it just I just started realizing like that, you know, there could have been a lot more done for me as a youth before I even, you know, got introduced to the system and got involved in that. And then how there was more harm caused, especially with, you know, solitary confinement and the systems, you know, form of trying to rehabilitate me. Right. Or or whatever their their uh, their motives were, if there was to punish me or try to break me. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, to have nightmares, you know, when I'm first like the first couple of years after I got out and kind of trying to navigate that and then finally learning about all these like trauma therapies that were out there to help me. Like none of those things were ever offered to me while I was incarcerated, you know? So I really started taking a, you know, started seeing the bigger picture, I think. And so those were some of the things that I was able to kind of speak about at the Capitol with some of our representatives and senators and the people that, you know, are able to, you know, make laws and change laws here in our state. And, and even then, you know, even, you know, telling, you know, these experiences, you know, like I could see how some didn't care. You know, I remember speaking to people that, you know, are leaders in our state and they're looking down at their phone, you know, or not even paying attention, you know, or honestly, they're looking at me like, like I'm a piece of garbage, you know, at least that's the feeling that I got, you know, so, um, you know, that really opened my eyes to like changing my narrative, right? Because I could see how there was people that um that were still being harmed by that system and so that's why to this day i still try you know in my role as a, a state government employee there's not much i can do you know in that role i try to find different wins and some of the different programming that i'm able to like um help some of the folks do in the community but you know any I can't reflect my beliefs as being that as well as this system that I work for now, but that doesn't mean that I can't get out there as a member of the community and still do my part. Right. So, um, yeah, the narrative definitely has changed for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. I learned a lot from you. And, uh, when I encounter stories that involve incarceration and some, and some gratitude for that transition. I, I, I dig a little deeper, you know, and I ask about, mm-hmm. you know, reentry programs. I ask about, you know, second chance employers and, mm-hmm. and recovery supportive housing. I ask about treatment. I ask about, um, gosh, a number of things and, and eventually, eventually get like a fully fleshed out story that, that aligns with some potentially good policy changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we have some wins, you know, I think I have some wins and just being able to go back in, right, as a volunteer yeah. and, yeah. you know, even like just talking about implementing like a peer support model, right? Like that's not even necessarily like a policy change or even something, you know, um, that uh, TDCJ is like allowing throughout the whole system, but I'm able to find opportunities where I can, you know, implement some of these things because the staff or wardens at this particular prison are open to it you know because even though it's like this huge system what i've learned is that even each prison is like its own system 
Mm. You know, as far as like what can come in and what can come out, what can be presented, you know. And so um, I'm just grateful to have, you know, have the space to be able to walk through those doors and then walk out and, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, always mindful of not wanting to cause any more harm to folks that are that have already experienced that even before incarceration or during incarceration. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, um, you do uh, you do some strong work. Uh, it could probably lead to some some empathy distress at times. Trying to dismantle systems that incarcerate people that look like you from a very young age, and uh, you're making some progress. But I imagine it's not breakneck speed. Um, what do you do to uh, to balance out to take care of yourself? And beyond that, what do you do for fun? Um, well, I think I share, you know, the frustration at times with, you know, living in a state, you know, like Texas and, you know, and, you know, maybe not necessarily think, see things heading in the direction that we would like to. Um, but I think we all recognize that we can only do our best and we just got to keep moving forward in the work that we're doing, you know, so we support each other in that, but outside of work, I mean, oh God, if you'd find me like, playing sports, football, softball, basketball, soccer, even in my age, you know, I still love to move around and, um, and, you know, stay active. I love to attend like live sporting events, like music events, concerts. I love to spend time with my girlfriend and my three stepdaughters. Um, I've learned to like love the outdoors. Like I love hiking, uh, spending time in like lakes and rivers. A couple of weekends ago, I went deep sea fishing for the first time and barfed my guts out, but I loved it so much. You know, caught a few small fish and enjoyed the experience. And now I want to do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of things that I love to do while I was incarcerated, they were very therapeutic for me, like uh, drawing and painting. Whenever mm-hmm. I get time and, you know, get the motivation, I'll pull out a canvas and just start working on something. It might take me months to finish it, but eventually it gets done. And and then just reading. I like to read a lot of fiction and, um, you know, so every now and then I'll a few books and instead of like trying to you know wind down with some type of device like tv or phone or computer i like to just pull out a good book and just kind of get lost in it and sometimes i'll i'll kind of take myself back to when i was incarcerated where i'd have such a like a big novel and you know and i would like forget you know where i was at you know and i love that feeling you know it's not like scary to me it's like a good feeling you know where i could kind of escape you know, the stress and the reality of, you know, what's kind of going on around me. You know, I'm a Navy veteran and I've been on some big ships. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a salty dog, but I've got a little salt (laughs) on me. And Uh I remember the first time I went deep sea fishing, which is on a much smaller vessel. Okay. puked my guts up the whole time (laughs) it's the most horrible feeling right but i knew it was coming i was just trying to see if it would fade and then finally i I remember telling my friend scoot over to the side yeah (laughs) it's gonna happen but once i did like you know i was back to normal i went back to my rod and and, you know went right back to fishing so i mean I know what that feels like now that experience. So I can be, I can be expecting, expecting it next time if it does happen. It's uh, coming. (laughs) I learned a little something about neurochemistry though, during 
too. Um, you know, I'd be out, it was like a half day excursion in the Indian ocean and sick as a dog. But when my line lit up, Mm -hmm. it went away. It was gone. I was filled with dopamine and morphins and just all kinds of good, good. Bring that fish in, throw it through it below. There's something about that, right? And then it came back. There's something <laughs> like, about that when you know you get that bite and you're reeling it in. And, and I haven't ever had that, you know, opportunity where you're like in the battle, but I saw it that day, you know, because there was someone else that caught like a really big fish and someone even caught like a stingray. And I just saw the battle that ensues, right? Yeah. You know? So yeah, there is something about that that just kind of gets you pumped up for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to, um, I'll do a lot of books on audio, uh, okay. right now. not much of a reader, but I've been listening to a lot of books lately. Um, awesome. yeah, well, listen, man, um, we like to, uh, end with a drop the mic moment. Do you have a, a final message for our billions of listeners? That's a good one. Um, I guess if I've learned anything, I guess, in my almost 43 years of life on this earth, and a lot of that, you know, was confined, but I think um, what I've learned and with my message to people would be that you don't have to be, like, directly impacted, I guess, by, like, some of the issues that are affecting, you know, some of the populations in our country, you know, and in our world to, like, care or, like, advocate for them, right? Like far too often, I've seen people that are being discriminated against just because people feel they're like they're different from me or they're beneath me or or because I feel I'm unique. And I think like that's not my problem, you know, and I just feel like and I'm, you know, and this I might not ever see this, but, you know, I see how our society is so divided and broken. And if we could like all come together as a community, Donald, like how beautiful could that be? Right. You know, but, you know. I hope that one day we'll be able to see, uh, be able to see that. And if not, you know, that maybe people will still be carrying, carrying that on, you know, after us to try to, to establish that. Yeah. Come together. Yes, sir. Oh, <laughs> and, and I love what you said. You don't, you don't have to be directly impacted or carry that very specific experience to, mm-hmm. to, to be empathic and compassionate and, yeah. yeah. I've met some really amazing people that don't have any of the same lived experience as me, but still they care about, you know, my lived experience and others that are having similar experiences. And, you know, and, and I love seeing people and that just kind of, that kind of spoke to me and showed me that there's like, cause for the longest time I had like trust issues. And so to see people that just genuinely cared about another person and had no ulterior motive in like helping them was amazing. Yeah, man. Same, same. I, I, I needed to, to witness that authenticity mm-hmm. and then, then my guard comes down and, and that trust comes up. Yeah. Definitely. They're, they're out there. There's, they oh, are. There are. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're not all monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That, that got dark. Well, <laughs> it sure was a treat brother. Likewise, likewise. I hope you have a great weekend, great, you know, July 4th week. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see each other soon, Donald. That'd be awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you for this, for being able to share this with you today. Absolutely. 